fuck Craig. Um, Welcome to another episode of the Banter Pub FC. We're the sauciest team in the game with the spiciest takes on the pitch. And we're back for another sizzling episode. Um, in the pub today, we have uh, Neil, El Capitan, uh, Jonathan, Adam, and on the ones and twos, playing the Wizard of Oz in the background is a uh, big man like Rossler. I am Ama, and today we're going to be talking around the pitch about, you know, the various leagues and where things stand. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the U.S. leagues and their their poise to begin um, their seasons for 2021. And as seems to be a regular occurrence, we're going to talk about more racism in football. So before we get to all that, let's talk around the pitch and take a quick uh, review of what the Premier League looks like. Um, I think we all know that Manchester City probably has it um, in the bag. Uh, not mathematically yet, but um, they are solid 14 points ahead of Manchester, Manchester United in second place. Um, and Leicester City is in third with West Ham in fourth right now. So the Champions League places look a little weird um, right now. And Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Everton round out the top eight. Noticeable uh, absence of Arsenal in that whole uh, rundown. If we if we they have great look kits at, though they have great kits, <laughs> yeah, beautiful gowns, yeah, <laughs> and and it's true, um, the the performances haven't matched up to the drip, and you know it be like that sometimes, you know, the, the I think Arsenal is suffering from what do they call it whiskey dick, they're suffering from something. I mean <laughs> that 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 liver. I think the two noticeable matches. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk at, at length, I think, about West Brom and Chelsea. It was very early in the morning, and um, it looks like Chelsea wasn't awake during, during the entire match. Um, <laughs> but we're going, to, we're going to get into that in a second. Obviously, Arsenal-Liverpool was, I guess, match of the day for match week 30. And, you know, um, I think there was an expectation that Arsenal was going to show up against Liverpool because Liverpool has kind of had a kind of roller coaster of a season. Um, uh, Jurgen Klopp kind of said several weeks ago 
um, before before even the um, January transfer deadline. He was like, "We're not focusing on the title. Uh, we've he he pretty much said we're mathematically eliminated. We're we're not going to focus on it, despite the fact that they were challenging for it at the time." <laughs> um, yeah. Um, or we're in shooting distance. Now that's uh, it, now they're just trying to stay in top four and keep top four form. Um, and uh, you know they they show improved against Arsenal in match week thirty. Um, uh, you know it was you know it was a it 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 wasn't a eventful match if you support Arsenal. Obviously, you know you wanted. Um, the you know the you know the eleven that Arteta put out was a strong eleven, um, and despite the fact that I'm not an Arsenal supporter, I I obviously wanted a decent match out of both clubs, and I didn't get that as a neutral. But you know, them's the break sometimes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sure Ama, you and Adam have more to dissect about it as Arsenal supporters. But uh, yeah. I mean, for me, as a neutral, the match really wasn't uh, as eventful as I would have liked. It it kind of became once 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 Liverpool opened the scoring, it wasn't a situation where they didn't stop because the goals weren't one after the other. However, um, their goals were impactful to the point where Arsenal was kind of out. Once the third goal was in, it wasn't like, oh, you know. Um, it wasn't a situation where Arsenal was going to come back. So, yeah. So there were, for me, there were a couple major uh, talking points coming out of this for Arsenal, and maybe one or two for Liverpool. The main talking point for me was, you know, injury to Kieran Tierney. He's been one of the most important players on this squad, um, and um, we've seen, we saw him. Uh, so I'm injure his knee in a in a challenge, um, and uh, I think reports are out are now out that he's out four to six weeks with ligament damage to his knee. So, you know, uh, much as everyone loves Kieran Tierney and I do, think about how many times he's been injured. I think he joined Arsenal injured, and um, and think about how dependent we are on Kieran Tierney on the left hand side to. Um, partner with Alba, um, who started with Lacazette. This, this is, in, yeah, that's not the second talking point, but like this was um, Arteta trying to play Lacazette and Aubameyang together and um, give us results. So, you know, look, look at the squad on paper. You say, yeah, we should be able to do something um, with, with, that, uh, with that side. Um, second talking point, um, for Arsenal was Lacazette. Uh, sorry, was uh, Aubameyang uh, starting on the left, um, and really not not being able to influence the game, and eventually being subbed off. Um, there haven't been many times in the recent past where he's been subbed off in a losing situation, a situation where Arsenal needs a goal, um, and I thought that that was that could be read as a, a vote of no confidence from the manager uh, post that whole Spurs incident and all that, you know, I feel like there's, there's 
something amiss there. And, you know, he might have come back with the Travis Scott braids, but <laughs> he, he, he's he's not uh, delivering the tunes. Not looking good. Mm. Yeah, he, he's not he's not in harmony with uh, how the this the squad is playing. So, um, so those are the two talking points from that side. And then the third, talk, the one that uh, that st- that w- I was looking forward to coming in was how Trent Alexander Arnold would perform. Um, not being selected for the Euros. Yeah, yeah, being being left off the the national team and like everybody scrutinizing his performances and kind of nitpicking this kid uh this guy's uh he's he's from liverpool right like he's one of literally one of their own and blah 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 and i feel like english england and english fans have to kind of like take a chill like oh you know they gotta they gotta take it easy i think football fans in general we have to be a lot less uh caustic in our critiques of players um they're people we all have off days and we have off days at work you know so you know give give people a little bit of grace and i think trent performed um offensively he performed well we'll talk about his defensive performance later in the champions league but offensively uh for in this Arsenal match, he he was he was exquisite. Like he put passes on the on the dime. I think I made a comment about how he wasn't he was he was rattled by being left off because he was he looked a little shaky early on in his delivery. I think he he gave it a ridiculous cross that was super trash early. Like even though I'm not a Liverpool supporter either, obviously I think one of the biggest takeaways was Diego Jota's performance. Um, he's been left off. Um, the uh, the club uh, sheet for several weeks uh, with with an injury, um, and he's and he's come back um, with uh, Shakiri and with uh, Shakiri out of form and Minamino on loan to Southampton. Um, it's Diego Jota's time. I mean, it's why he was signed by Wolf, from from Wolves, um, and he showed out. Uh, got a brace against Arsenal, um, and I know I've, I know this is the Manchester United supporter bigging up uh, the uh, you know our one one of our arch rivals, um, but I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, at the end of the day, um, Jota showed up. He did what he had to do, um, and he did a tremendous job. Uh, Adam, I know you uh, were going to chime in with some additional talking points uh, from the match, so I'm going to uh, turn it over to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arsenal is um, the worst. The worst part about this Arsenal season is that each player on the team has shown glimpses of why you've signed them. You've seen like, but that's the problem. You always have to have the best game from everybody to have a chance it seems like this season with this arsenal team um you can't like it's not like one of those years like great teams have like off days and win or at least pull out results and that's the problem this isn't a great team um they just everybody has to be clicking at all cylinders i'll be honest i knew we needed to sign Aubameyang when we did we needed that force we needed that presence it was still a good signing 
But it's also, we have to look at the full season. I mean, there are only about eight matches to go at this point and have to say that he's, like, not performed well. Um, it's not necessary. I mean, he can go in some amazing blistering place. Maybe the new braids will help out. Um, and once he gets used to them, that'll change around his season. But, I mean, the first 30 matches, it's just, he just hasn't been there. Um, it's the reason he gets subbed out. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it again today uh, with what happened in Europa League, but he's not even a starter there. So, um, definitely uh, uh, something up confidence-wise. And, I mean, that Tottenham incident being late was one thing. But, it, I mean, when you look at the full season, there just haven't been as many as many quality moments from him as you would hope. And, I mean, there's natural decline from a striker as they get older. But with the international break and everything, I think, like, everybody just came back flat, which was disappointing because... Abba and Lacazette didn't go anywhere. Like, they were in their home training. Like, I thought extra rest, not traveling. I know Karen Tierney played a lot. That might play into the the injury because he was on international duty. Um, but you just thought the rest would work out for the guys. Everybody just came back flat. It was just, like, you understand. Arteta had to apologize for the performance because, like, there was just no spirit. There was no effort. Um, so I guess that's the disappointing part too. It's just like, it's one thing to need everybody's best match, but it's another, at least look like he's trying to be there and trying to do something like, it was just like lackluster. Um, so, um, and then that kind of spills over into what happened later today or today in Europa. So I know we'll get to that, but yeah, this is Arsenal this season. It's just like you almost actually want the bot almost rooting for the bottom to fall out. Cause it's like, no, we need to like have some sort of consequences uh, for, <laughs> for what's happening uh, to the team and maybe like shake some well, things up. The consequences y'all, y'all not going to be in Europe next year. Right. Next exactly. Season, That's exactly what I'm Europe referencing. <laughs> yeah. We can't get bailed out again. So. Yeah. I, I would say it's worrisome for the reason y'all described. And on top of that, City, we're City, so we're going to be good. United is getting better. Chelsea is getting better. West Ham's getting better. Um, Leicester, Leicester City is there. Uh, so, top four is not guaranteed. Like, and, and we learned that this season. So, this is a very worrisome sign in terms of what Arsenal can do at this point. Yeah. I think that's that's honestly that's enough said about Arsenal for me. Um, let's big up men like Thiago Silva for getting two <laughs> yellows and a red. I'm sorry, <laughs> getting two yellows and a red, putting his team uh, behind it right after they scored a goal, right after uh, NRMR gets a goal for Thomas Tuchel and um, puts puts Chelsea on the back foot. Um, and and big up to West Brom for for dumping five on them yeah, at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, there's so there's several talking points. There's Big Sam winning at Stamford Bridge, turning over Chelsea and spanking them. There's uh, Thomas Tuchel suffering his biggest loss as Chelsea's new boss. There's NRA Mar slash Maga Makaleli um, slash so many names, but we're not going to use his real one. 
breaking, I think, rupturing another hamstring. So he's out for, I don't even know what the latest report is because I don't read Chelsea news, but um, he injured himself and tried to come back at half to, after the half and tried to walk on the pitch and said, oh, no, can't do it, and walked back. Um, so uh, it's clear that uh, his hamstrings are made of paper mache. Um, and uh, I think that happened as soon as he signed on the dotted line for Chelsea. They, they just, like, became paper mache. Um, he shouldn't have done it and needed it. There you go. Um, but them's the breaks. Hamstrings. Um, God Anyway, <laughs> uh, tremendous job to uh, tremendous job to uh, West Brom again, uh, who's been who who have been struggling. You know, uh, Big Sam will you know join them to keep them out of the relegation zone. They're still there despite the fact that they won um, as of match day thirty. You know, as of the end of match day thirty, go, going into match day thirty one, and um, you know five. Five points behind Fulham, and yeah, double the uh, the goal difference in the negative direction. So, so they they need they they still have a ways to go uh, to to even you know get to 18th. Not to mention like they're eight points behind Newcastle, and yeah, that's it's not pretty. I think it's more likely that Newcastle will slide and join. West Brom in the relegation zone than West Brom coming out of the <laughs> than uh, West Brom coming out of the the uh, relegation zone at this point with the games played um, or, or I'm sorry the games left um, and I mean the season is dwindling down obviously you know it's uh, you know John really doesn't have to say much because as we talked about before you know it's City's title at this point. It's a, a foregone conclusion. The, the the rest of the the rest of the table is what's up for grabs at this point for the remaining games, and City can kind of sit back and kind of watch uh, the rest of the league kind of fight it out. Um, and at the, and at the bottom of the table, they can see the bottom feeders like West Brom beating up on beating up on their rivals Chelsea, and that's exactly what they did. They did it at Stamford Bridge. That that doesn't happen often. And when Ama opened the segment talking about Thiago Silva getting two yellows and and then obviously that's an immediate red afterwards. Um, That is proof positive of the temperament of that club. It has nothing. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they changed managers in the middle in, uh, in the middle of the season, but more to do with the fact that they have all of these pieces that still haven't figured out how to mesh together. On to La Liga. Aware, Atleti is still in the lead, but Barcelona and Real Madrid are hot on their behind. Um, Neil, Atletico dropped points at a crucial moment, allowed allowed, allowed Barcelona to, to get back, back on them. There are Atleti is six points, Barcelona sixty five, Real Madrid sixty, and Sevilla fifty eight. Um, this is a threat. How are you feeling about the rest of the season? I guess Wait. I guess Atletico Madrid uh, uh, supporters, are Real Madrid supporters, in the uh, uh, in the big match this weekend. Uh, uh, if, if they want any sense, well, obviously Atleti has to win, but then also we're going to be watching the Real Madrid result, the now Barca result, at the same time. Um, all shows up. 
Um, they've been uh, doing things in Europe. So I, I believe I'm saying those, I can't believe I'm saying those yeah. words. Um, but at this point of the season, being one point up is not good enough. Um, yeah. It is literally the only thing that Atleti at this point is playing for. And if, 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 it, if it becomes a situation where Barca or Real Madrid, which is possible, I mean, Adam, you can touch on that yourself, but it's, while that is possible and Barca could take over the top of the table, let's say Doomsday scenario, another game, and Barca wins at El Clasico, and then they jump up to the top of the table. Being in second and chasing, I hate to say it, but it's something that Atleti have done in the past. And I think, listen, um, if there is anything that Diego, if there's anything that Simeone loves to do, it is to come from behind. So Adam, El Clasico. Yeah, actually looking forward to it. A lot of, again, Barcelona had a pretty, you know, as the Barcelona turns, this was a pretty quiet week. Actually, with the wind and belly coming through in the 90th minute um, to get us within one point of Atleti. Um, nine matches to go, I must say. Um, liking the choices. Real looked really good against Liverpool the other day. Um, I know we'll get back into that later. So, um we'll see how that goes i know sergio ramos isn't going to be there um but barcelona's been clicking too this is really all they have to play for um messi looks kind of happy actually um the uh, undefeated uh in the last couple league matches so um this is what the people all come out for um and yeah we have a la liga race going into the end so this is a huge match i still like barcelona's chances this weekend but um I'll honestly be okay if we if it's a draw too. Um, Athleti does have to go to Batiste this weekend. Um, that's not an easy match either. Um, Batiste is in like a, a fight to maybe get a Europa League place. Uh, kind of out of it for top four, but um, uh, hopefully qualify for Europa League. So that's something that they are fighting for. So the game against Athleti, that's not easy for Athleti either. So. Um, yeah, it's looking pretty good for Barcelona. I mean, like I said, they're they're playing inspired football. This is really all they have to play for. Hopefully getting Real like in a down period after an exciting win midweek. Um, and yeah, go from there. But yeah, it's, it's looking like a good thing. You know, people trying to say that we're going to like find money to <laughs> get one of these big strikers. That's keyword, be available keyword is fine. But that's keyword not going to happen. Let's be honest. Without... Our $1.3 billion debt. I don't know why we're even talking about it. Like, let's just work with the young guys. But, you know, you know, the, you know, the, you know, things are swinging in Barcelona safer. And people are like, hey, they might be in it for a big striker. They've forgotten about all the drama because it's looking nice again. So we're, we're happy in, in this section of in, in our Thank section. Thank you, will definitely be blessing y'all uh, come this summer. Don't worry. Do not worry <laughs> about it. They don't care about the separation of, of the countries. They, you know, they ain't worried. Y'all be blessed. And it is not, I, I like how, I guess in comparison to other weeks, it's not been a, not been dra- drama- dramatic, but Uzma Dembele is scoring after 
uh, months, years of being disparaged by all of Barcelona. Uh, now coming through for the squad, man, that's drama right there. Well, that's because he wants to leave. He's showing off because he's like, look at my form, everybody. Look, I can score. Please sign me somewhere else. I do not want to play here anymore. Usman Dembele said he's a young black man. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, so look out for El Clasico this weekend. Let's slide over to, uh, I don't know. I want to do league. Let's do Serie A uh, because. Yes, let's. <laughs> let's do Serie A and give, give, give. Let's look at everybody else from the top of the table. Uh, everybody else. Uh, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we care as much as you do. But Inter Milan up on AC by 11 points. Um, looking unstoppable. Romelu Lukaku still scoring. Yeah, score, scoring like it's going out of style. Um, you know, I, (laughs) he and Lotaro are a tandem that I never would have suspected would have been, uh, so, so much quality so soon. And all all the conversation this past week hasn't necessarily been for who's going to challenge Inter for the top of the, you know, for the, for the Scudetto. It's been, what is the, what, what is the rest of the top four going to look like? And being an Inter supporter and listening to everyone talk about the rest of the table for once is, is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to, to have a club that has, been, uh, uh, that has had a starting 11 um, and a manager that everybody expected wasn't going to do well when he came back, uh, when he was signing players um, from around the world. Um, he he is doing honestly uh what uh frank tried to replicate at chelsea but he's doing it the right way because he's picking up all these players from all these different leagues whether you want to classify them as castaways you can do that but they are playing lights out for him lights out um from top to bottom they are reigniting themselves uh playing for the badge Next season, the badge will change, and we'll have a you know we'll have that conversation Ooh. next season when Yikes. it starts. Because uh, it's uh, mm. I'm still indifferent about it right now, but mm. but a new badge. But hey, if you if you have if you are bringing a Scudetto uh, into a new season uh, with a new badge, <laughs> I don't really care what the badge looks like at this point <laughs> because <laughs> they are taking. The uh, Scudetto with them. So listen, um, uh, I, I don't see that many changes happening in the summer for Inter. I, I, I you know, um, but the rest of the table, I mean, the rest of the top four are literally a toss-up. I mean, you have Juventus playing well and then not playing well. You have Napoli playing well and then not playing well. You have... Uh, Nazio playing well and not playing, and then losing a game. You have AC Milan, you know, uh, winning, winning, winning a game, coming, you know, getting removed from Europa League, so they have nothing else to play for, and not showing up in Italy. So, uh, you know, you know, in domestic play. So it literally the rest of the top four, y'all. Like I don't know 
what's going to happen. I, I quite frankly don't care what happens with the rest of the table, but, but uh, I'm curious how the rest of you feel and honestly what you think the rest of the top four is going to look like with you know se- several games left. Yeah, two through four is looking really tight. Like it's two points, right? Um, so Atalanta, Juve, AC, Milan, even though they're all really far away from Inter, they're really close to one another. So, but, you know, that could definitely shift. Also, uh, Napoli and Lazio are within striking distance of the, the Champions League places. So whenever these teams play each other in the run out to the end of the season, it will be seriously consequential. So um, even though I don't think there are any of those matchups in this coming weekend, but there will be in the weeks to follow. And I hope that it stays spicy uh, throughout that <laughs> the run-in um, and that Inter brings it home. How about the rest of you guys? I, well, I think both AC, AC Milan will be second. I think they have that lockdown. Juventus has the toughest road. I'm, I'm looking at their their fixture list before towards the end of the season. So they have Genoa, who is, you know, they're mid table, but they they can be they, they can be a challenge. They have Atalanta, Fiorentina, Udinese, Milan, yeah, Inter, uh, and then they have Sassuolo, and um, and. Uh, and Parma as well, um, and then and then Bologna to end the season. So I, I can see Ace, I can see Juventus dropping a lot of points um, in this in this final run of to not maybe even I don't I don't see them bouncing out of of the Champions League places, but um, they have the toughest run. So it's a toss up. I'm I'm not sure what what three and four is going to look like too. Yeah, like it, it's it's close. It's within a point for each. Uh, but and Napoli always lets me down for some reason. They 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 always on paper they look great and then they end up fumbling the bag somewhere. So it, it's gonna be it's actually gonna be pretty challenging to see what happens. I I, I want to say Juventus stays up like in that top as these third spot, but that that fixture list I don't know. Maybe if Inter like maybe if it's like the the top two like AC Milan and, and Inter like they've secured it, they'll just let it let it slide. I don't have to worry about places, but it doesn't look good for you, babe. Honestly, think Atalanta could come back. I mean, they're only like two points off that second spot right now, and just the way um, uh, Milan has been playing for most of the calendar year, twenty twenty one. You mentioned Jonathan. That fixture list for Juventus is just—it's just a lot more difficult than um, than most of the other teams. I mean. Still got to play Inter. You still actually have a Coppa Italia final, so they're playing Atalanta once in the in the league and once again in Coppa Italia. So and that'll still affect them. Um, so I I mean those la those five places for top four, it'll be interesting to see. I I do think Juventus will will keep it, but I I like the fact that there's danger that they don't. <laughs> Juventus in Europa after so many years wearing the Scudetto. Um, that would be pretty interesting um, to see. So that that um, two through five is, um, is 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 pretty intense these last couple of weeks, um, these last nine matches. So um, 
I think, honestly, it's going to end up being AC Milan. I still think Atalanta comes in third and Juventus places fourth with Napoli. I agree, Jonathan. They're just not consistent enough when you think that they're going to come through for you. So I, I think that they stay in that fifth place. So, um, But I do hope they make Juventus sweat. That's for sure. Um, certainly, there's... Um, uh, I think Inter is pretty much closed it up. Even when you look at like their remaining matches, it's just there. There's not much in the way that it will throw them down. This is all they're playing for, and I'm sure there's going to be a pride thing in terms of just trying to turn that goal difference out, like just as much as they can. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, a pretty fun to watch them try to blow out everybody, and then just see all how everybody else performs and trying to keep those top four places. I just hope and pray that uh, Inter's state, like uh, I'm, I'm with, with Inter being 11 points, like I just need them to keep turning over results, continue to win. Um, and don't stop like no draws, no, you know, slip ups. Um, just keep winning boys. Just keep winning. All right. With that, I think we should uh, slide over to somebody who's jumped back in the lead in Liga, and that's Lille. Um, with PSG dropping points over um, their last match, that gives Lille a slight lead. They're uh, top of the table with 31 matches played with 66 points ahead of PSG. With 63 points and Monaco with 62 points, um, those are the Champions League Champions League places. Lyon um, at 61 points, all even uh, matches played. So it's a similar scenario with two through four, one point apart each, and um, everybody you know fighting for a slot. Um, in the Champions League and honestly fighting for supremacy in, in Ligue 1. Um, if... Yeah, the, France has been... The Ligue 1 has... I got to give, give them a round of... Because it, it... My God. You, you want to you, 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 you talk about uh, a season that has been topsy-turvy and, uh, you know the top four has always been in question and it's never a guarantee who is going to be in the top four from week to week. That doesn't happen in that hasn't happened that well, that didn't happen this season in any other league, right? At the beginning of the league, at, 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 the, at the beginning of several of the uh, European uh, leagues at the beginning of the season, yes, there was a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of surprises. There was a lot of shock at the top of the, t- you know, at the top of some of these tables. But now we are we are getting towards the end of the season, and Lille has you know not a whole lot to play for besides besides winning the title. PSG obviously half of their mind is in Europe right now. Lyon is you know is still playing in uh, cup matches uh, besides the uh, domestic title um and you know monaco is sitting there pretty in third uh you know only one point above Lyon, and that's uh as a Lyon supporter i gotta say um 
despite the fact that we're sitting in fourth right now, I'm just happy that we're above Marseille. So, yeah, that's that's just uh, – I just appreciate that. <laughs> that. That's legit. I mean, and, and let's, let's remember, like, during the – at this point in the season, this is PSG is blowing people out of the water. They're extending the lead. I think in the last two or three seasons – They've won by at least ten points. Um, uh, won the lead. They've had a lead of about uh, uh, ten points. And I think you got to go back to uh, 2016, 2017, when Monaco won by like I don't know five or six points. So uh, this this season being so tight is is a breath of fresh air for the you know for French football. And um, for us, the uh, the fans, what about the rest of you gentlemen? How do you feel about uh, how tight it is and the prospects for, for Leo, Leo holding on? <laughs> and the prospects for Leo holding on for the end of the season? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, as as the a great man once said, I'd rather be with you in all your bullshit. And that's what Leo's saying about uh, first place. Uh, particularly Renato Sanchez is saying about first place, too. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's wild. It's wild. I, I, Leo's has totally impressed me. I, I thought that PSG got in the bag as soon as Neymar came back from, from his, uh, his uh, yearly his year long, his annual um, sabbatical, I was put it that way, that they would just take the title and run, run with it. But obviously, they're, they're, they're saving it for the Champions League, and um, it's still a tight race. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I've, been, I've been impressed by Lille, um, the consistency, and I'm excited to see what, what comes in the season. I'm, I might, once, once we secure the title in England, I'm just going to. Turn over the league on this. Continue watching out for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's not a bad plan. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I want to give lots of credit to Leo. I mean, this past week was like their make or break. They went to PSG and won one nothing, um, and basically they're in the driver's seat now. I think that's pretty huge uh, considering like. You know, you thought when, a couple of weeks ago when they dropped some points, you thought, oh, this is where it's all going to turn around. It's going to be a PSG. Um, PSG is going to go ahead and take it over like they usually do. But um, Neil really showed up. Um, it looks like PSG is, like, extra focused on um, Champions League now um, going forward. Um, and, again, Lille has a pretty decent schedule going forward. I mean... PSG is pretty empty too, at least league-wise. But like I said, they're in the driver's seat, so it, it's a great position. Um, you know, the way Arsenal's been playing, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be turning on league on like every week from this point on. So um, it makes total sense. Um, everybody to pay attention. Um, these matches, these last like eight or nine matches, are going to be pretty, pretty fun to watch. So uh, I'm rooting for Leo to take it out. Um and make sure they get the job done and kind of end that PSG supremacy for at least one year. That's that's a word. Um, I was gonna transition to Bundesliga, but like the story is pretty much already told. 
Uh, RB Leipzig fumbled the bag against Bayern, uh, lost at home, and the Berlin derby was whack. It was a 1-1 draw. Dortmund fumbled the bag. Like, it, it was just like, what, what, what do you... <laughs> What narrative do you want to carry to cover Bundesliga right now? Besides, I got one. I got one. I got one. Schalke still getting relegated. <laughs> Schalke, Schalke, Schalke lost. Right? Schalke lost. Uh, yeah. So it's just like, what do you expect? There's, there's not. There's really nothing exciting for me. I don't have a lot to look forward to. For the matches left, I mean, even the my like side route for Cologne, um, like they lost. It's just like I don't know. There's there's not very much out there for me um, to to talk about. I didn't. The narratives for me are actually really tired. Bayern is dominant out here. They go into Champions League and get waxed. So you know. What are we really saying? I, I actually pipped them. I, I wanted to, I, I expected to see them in the final of the Champions League. Imagine. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll before we slide to Champions League, I, I figure we should um, should give you guys a chance to offer an opinion on what we saw in the past uh, couple of weeks in the Bundesliga. I mean, like you said, there really wasn't anything special or exciting. This week from the Bundesliga, uh, for me, outside as I already mentioned, Schalke still getting getting relegated. So I'm a happy man. Um, that's all I really care about right now. Um, Dortmund is obviously sitting in the Europa League place uh, domestically, um, which isn't true to their form because they're playing for the champ. They're playing in the Champions League right now uh, as well. So um, the only way for them to so it's going to be very interesting come the end of the season what the results are going to look like this week really wasn't anything exciting. So, so, um, yeah, I'm, I, I, unless Adam, you or John have anything to add, I think we should just move forward. Yeah, let's move on, man. Like, like I must said, we already know what's going to happen. You already know what the vibes are. <laughs> Tales over time. All right. So say we all, I, right, so let's slide on to quarterfinals of the champions league. Um, let's see, we had the matchups. Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City, Dortmund, Bayern, PSG, Porto, Chelsea. So uh, let's go in reverse order. I'll go Adam, what's, which, you know, pick a match and give us your take on it. As we touched upon earlier, man, Trent Alexander <laughs> had a hell of a bad day. Um, he got, he just, it was the textbook, like, there'd be a children's book about his terrible, <laughs> no good, bad day. Um, just got railed by Real Madrid on, um, they just, they just took him to task. Like, he was missing people. And he just looked, I felt so bad for him at points. He just looked so bewildered. Um, basically made a mistake that led to a goal. Um, the misplaced header. Um, just a terrible day. Like I think everybody going into that match was saying, "Hey, Liverpool's got a shot because Ramos isn't playing." And and they started like they did the big three up front. I mean, we all know that Liverpool still has their center back problems. That's still going to be an issue. But 
man, they just didn't, and the other part is they just didn't show up either. I mean, Real Madrid looked like dominant. Like it was never oh, even a that question. That one so. ball, that one ball to yeah. Vinicius Junior. Jesus, Ooh. magic and the touch. Magic. Give the credit, the, the man, the, the touch. Don't don't count out Real Madrid. Like they they have four time, three times in a row, four time wins in a decade for a reason. Yeah, and 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 and, and not only that, but one one of the things that I said uh, consistently and pretty much leading up to this draw, leading up to this match was if Vinicius and Asensio show up as has been expected because they are the future of the Galacticos, they will change the game. And who showed up but Asensio and Vinicius Jr. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, that was definitely a big day. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, 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 a, that's a legit uh, criticism. Now, the question is, in the second leg, does Liverpool truly have a chance to pull something out of this? They will be playing at home, and it's you know they're coming in a three-one deficit. The, the away goal was big. I'll say that. And if you can regroup, granted, Anfield hasn't been kind to them all season, so you would have thought maybe they'd show out a little bit more at home. I mean, away rather. Um, but maybe they regroup. That away goal is huge. Like if it was two nothing, I would almost say like, nah, this it's a wrap. But it's still a two goal differential. If you win two nothing at home, like you move forward. So, um, I I would say it's still like I'm gonna give it seventy thirty. Real is gonna move on, but I, I Liverpool does have that chance. Nah, they do not here. Liverpool, they do not here. As long as, have, <laughs> as long as Trent Alexander Arnold is starting, they're not here. They're just going to expose that. Who are they going to put? In, who are they going to replace him with? Like, if you don't want Trent to start, who who are you going to put out there right back? That's, that's what that's what I'm saying. <laughs> nah, man, that's, that's that's the that's what's going to happen. That's the, that's the point there. There, I'm gonna like they have no one else to replace him. He's the weakest link on this on the squad. Not because. He's the best they ever had. Yeah. And, and his defense is horrible, so he's going to be exposed. And Real, they don't hold it. They're not here. Liverpool's not here. No, nah, Liverpool, Liverpool is going to shock you. They come out in a 3-4-3 and, and um, pull, like, Fabinho as an <laughs> extra center back. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Like we got, we got to lock down the central areas. <laughs> Sorry. I, um, <laughs> all, right, all right. So let's let's move on to another Champions League matchup. Since you're so talkative, Jonathan, let's let's talk about the City Dortmund matchup. It was only two one at home. How? What does it look like for for City in the in the reverse fixture? Well, you know, this was another match, as I've previously said, where Pep tends to overthink and the fact that we didn't sub I think we got one sub the entire match. And I was like, okay, this is Tottenham all over again. Damn it. Damn it. But uh we pulled through. Um thanks to Louis Figo. I mean uh Phil Foden. Wow. Doing it again. The 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 stock point Iniesta came through 
for us. So I'm, I'm appreciative of him. Uh, and, you know, we, we look, it's going to be telling if, if they get Gene Central back, I'm, I'm really worried. But right now, we are playing, we are playing, we, we can afford to play on defense this time around in a quarterfinal for once in our lives. So it feels good. Um, I think we'll, we'll bounce back. We'll bounce back for sure come next week. And we'll, we'll be solid. We'll be closing out Dortmund. Um, and, and we just have too much talent. Um, and Holland wants to play for cities, so or he doesn't want to embarrass. So I got to go to a non-city supporter on Jude Bellingham's denied goal. Uh, Adam or or Adam or or Neil, either one of you, come in and talk about that Jude Bellingham goal and why it should have stood. So. Yes. First of all, the goal should have stood, number one. That, yes. Um, Jude Jude was the actual young stud for Dortmund who actually showed up in that draw, um, unlike Erling Holland, And, you know, John can say whatever he wants about uh, Erling Holland. You know, obviously his father played for City, so obviously he has the City tie. So there's the City tie there, and Obviously, they're going to be without a number nine, but they will because they'll still have Gabriel uh, Jesus on the books. Um, and whether they're going to keep him there is, you know, who's to say. However, um, you know, at the end of the day, like Jude, as far as from a, from a Dortmund standpoint, Jude did what he had to do. And the goal was disallowed. Um, and it was a ridiculous call. Um, clearly... It was a goal, um, and I, I, it was a goal. Like enough said. Like there's really no argument that John can make to say, oh well, you know, that worked in our favor that time or anything like that. All the city supporters that I was seeing on Twitter were saying that it was a goal. So um, it's just it's it's interesting when when VAR works in. Uh, you know, a particular club's favor that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, because the same thing happened uh-huh. against a certain club, um, you know, and there's the famous image of, you know, Pep throwing up the two. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's incredibly interesting that, uh, uh, Jude has become the center of attention, which is good for him because he's going to be, you know, if he did, I think while people are thinking about Erling Holland moving, Jude could be, uh, you know, a breakout star anywhere. And right now he's a breakout star at Dortmund. And I think of the two, yes, Erling Holland has goal scoring capability, but as I've talked about previously, the ball has to come to him in order to score. He can't make a goal happen. He's just like his dad in that regard. Um, and I think even you, John, would would say that. So I unlike mean, Jude, unlike Jude, Jude is a creative player and can score. I mean, that's fine, because we have KDB, uh, Zinedine uh, Gundogan. Jesus Christ. Uh, 
Phil Figo, <laughs> Gabby Asus. So we're going to be good. Like, if all he has to do is just stand there and score, I'm totally fine. He could be your Ruben Nelson for all I care. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I, I, I think that Holland leaving Dortmund opens up, like, tactical possibilities. They can play a uh, 4-2-3-1 or even weird, a weird maybe 4-4-2 and Bellingham and um, Sancho. Marco. Yeah, Jadon Sancho, Marco Royce, Jude Bellingham um, can can um, actually, like, everybody recognizes the value that, like, what Marco Royce brings to, the, to that squad. I, I think we've said in the past that he's the heart and soul of that team. And Haaland, score, you know, he scores goals. He gets on the end of things. But um, the thing that makes him tick is Marco Royce. And, but I feel like there's there's more to come in out of Dortmund, but it's only in flashes, right? That's the, the biggest yeah. problem with Dortmund. It's always in flashes. So I think because they got the away goal, they have a chance in the in the return leg. It's a matter of if City can turn the empty hat into a fortress and, um, you know, see if a uh, man like John Stones can uh, see San Sekel and Hold down the kettle. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> please. Oh, oh boy. my goodness. There'll be conquerors coming out of the quarterfinals. Moment. But we going to semifinal. We going. Oh, okay. Gosh, guys, really. Anyway, um, <laughs> looking at the other match, um, was surprised at Chelsea yeah. showing up. Um, and kind of thought Porto would um hold it down a little bit more. Um, but Chelsea did uh rise to the occasion away. Um, it is like a neutral match. I think they were playing in Seville technically, but it, it wasn't a away match. So, um, and they showed up two nothing. Um, I, I think my new most hated player is gonna be Mason Mount going forward. Um, so he was one of them to get on the score sheet. Um. Yeah, Chelsea did look good. It, it's going to be interesting. I forgot to look it up. Is, can Chelsea play PSG next round? Because the Tuchel Bowl would uh, be uh, pretty great um, if, if that does come to uh, fruition. Because um, I know they – I forgot to check it, but I, I know that when they did the draw, quarterfinal and semifinal was kind of done at the same time. Either way, um, interested to see. But, yeah, I think Chelsea has this one kind of wrapped up. Um, I know still going to be a neutral site, but just returning back. But they just looked in control that whole match, too. So I, I thought Porto was going to be the, something they could have surprised and maybe oh, maybe made a, a semifinal chance. But um, Tuchel got him, got him ready to go that match. He got him prepared. So he's got something to prove. I think people overlook him in terms of like what happened with PSG last year and how quickly he was out um, this year. Um, so he's got a lot to prove. Um, I mean, in all honesty, there's, there's a decent shout to say Chelsea would rather win Champions League than trying to deal with ending up top four in um, Premier League because they're currently out of the places. So um, you do a Cinderella run here and win it, then you don't really have to worry about week in, week out. So um, we'll see. I don't think they have enough, but um, it. Definitely, um, I think they pretty much sealed. Um, they're going to the semifinals well, at least. Juventus thought that in the round of sixteen, so against Porto, and uh, 
Juventus is sitting at home. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And I, uh, uh, I, I'm just saying, P- P- Porto's not necessarily playing like a Cinderella, but they shocked the world against Juventus. Shocked the world. Shocked the world. Um, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be the Ajax this season. Adam, you could be totally correct that it, you know, Chelsea couldn't move on uh, come the second leg. Um, it's totally a possibility, but uh, regardless, I mean, Chelsea's got I think, two away goals. Like they, they, they got to lose three nil, four one, to you know, at home in order to to get bumped off. Like that's that's what makes this a difficult call for for Porto. I wanted Neil, Neil. I wanted you to talk about PSG Bayern because of a man like Mbappe. And uh, <laughs> and the p- performance he put in before we. I mean, listen, listen. It doesn't. So speaking of Chelsea, yes, if they if they move on, they end up playing whoever wins between Bayern and PSG, and it looks like PSG is far and away going to win that draw, which is shocking because going into going into that match, everyone thought it was going to be Bayern that was going to come out on top and cruise to. Uh, the to the uh, semis. That's not the case. Um, PSG showed up and showed out once again. Um, Mbappe showed up and showed out once again. Um, Neymar uh, played, you know, played his position. I guess his new found position, no longer on the left, but in the you know as a center, but as a uh, midfielder, um, kind of the kind. Kind of in a creative role, kind of feeding the wings and kind of feeding the false nine, and it was an amazing uh, match for PSG. And yes, the the match result was three two, um, but PSG did what they had to do and got the got three away goals. Yeah, impressive. and and in the second leg of the round of sixteen. They put down Barca, like the and the, they were, and Adam, I think you would agree with this. In the round of sixteen, PSG was the better team, and far and away the better team. And now, people thought Bayern was Bayern holders of the Champions League. They're going to win it again easily. No one's going to come close. PSG said, <laughs> "Wait a minute." Wait a minute, flat player. <laughs> Hold on. Um, I think Mbappe wants to win the Champions League before he goes to Real Madrid because he didn't sign to this. <laughs> yeah, so I think that the lineup, that formation with Neymar essentially playing a 10 and Draxler on the left, like that was new. That was new. Well, for me anyway, watching these guys. And I didn't expect that. Um, Di Maria on the right. Um I don't know that it was it was a wonderful match for the neutral. Um, I will say that uh, you know one of Bayern's lot like the the Marco Royce of Bayern is like Joshua Kimmich, and and he was good, but like PSG was just so much better. Like it's not like Bayern was was terrible, but these guys did not want it with uh <laughs> with Mbappe like in in the uh, in the goal he scored on uh cuz they scored real early but the goal he scored 
In the second half, he made Jerome Boateng look like he should be in a retirement home. Just. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, he just kept backing off Um, and backing off and backing off and then just got (laughs) twisted. Like, I mean, I think the goal went through his legs. Yeah, it was was really ugly for for a a G like like Jerome Boateng and Kaylor Navas actually. And, you know, it's like he did a good job. That that was my talking point. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can look at it and say, but, you know, Bayern did get kind of shocked by Mbappe in the third minute. But there were long stretches where they just looked like the better team. One wonders what happens if, Lewandowski's playing, if yeah. uh, Serge Nabry's yeah. playing, um, which is why, I mean, yeah. again, it was 3-2. So it's still, um, this is still, even though, like, you know, PSG went to Barcelona and just basically beat him up 4-1, Barcelona still came back and got a draw back back at PSG. So this is a Bayern team that has a lot more firepower if either of those guys plays. Um, you have a lot better finishing. They had a lot of chances, like Pavard had a chance, but I mean, and Pavard can hit them, but it's not like you want Pavard, you know, taking your shots either, um, if you can get somebody up there. So um, I don't think uh, PSG definitely is in the driver's seat, but I think Bayern just has still a little too much firepower to like really count them out just yet. Um, So we'll see. And I mean, right, Bayern did... I mean, until PSG takes care of business for both legs, Bayern still has what they did to him last year um, holding over them. So um, there's still that demon to exercise. So um, we'll see. But it, it did show that Bayern is very, I mean, and I mean, Lewandowski should, I mean, if there was a Ballon d'Or last year, um, he should have won it. He should probably win it this year um, if they resume giving it out. Um and so if you don't have that guy, if you don't have, like, basically me, the best player in the world currently um, leading your front line, yeah, uh, if you come out and you've lost by only one, I think Byron's still in a, a good place, um, and they still have their chances. So just going back and finishing the job or getting the job done next week. Yeah, that's all facts. All right, so let's quickly go through Europa League before we slip out. I'll say the theme for Europa League – for quarterfinal first leg was away goals. Um, Villarreal scored 1-1-0 away to Zagreb. Roma 1-2-1 away at Ajax. Slavia Prague pulled a late comeback to win. I'm oh, sorry, to tie. Feels like a loss for an Arsenal fan. Uh, 1-1 at Arsenal. And uh, Manchester United handled business at Granada 2-0. So, like, all the away teams came out with a result, and um, the second leg is looking kind of peak. Uh, Adam, I'll give you first right of refusal on the atrocious result of the Arsenal squad against Slavia Prague Uh, when they had one job. Yeah. Yeah. It was... A lot of chances, um, you know, Saka missed a, a chance in the first half that just went wide. Lacazette uh, hitting the woodwork. Um, it was one of those, I, I feel like any other day, I would almost have rather it been a nil-nil draw. 
just to have said, well, at least I'll be happy about these chances we had. And, um, you know, it was just an unlucky day for finishing and move from there. Um, and then, you know, they did the triple switch at halftime or not halftime about, you yeah. know, about the 75th minute or so. And, um, it was, uh, it looked really good. Martinelli looks great. I'm, I'm really excited to see him more often. Pepe, Alba looked like he was inspired coming off the bench. Um, those, that 10 minute stretch where they came in, they looked like, I mean, they created three or four chances right away, including, um, Pepe eventually scoring, which was a great move. Um, but yeah, the giveaway and added time, um, just to let that draw happen, the away goal, um, Again, you try to look at. Oh, look! They were they looked really good for this these moments. Um, that's the team you want to see. Um, you just want to see it more consistently. But right, it's like all right. I don't I don't know what you're coming with next week. So it, it's maybe and, and and that's just what it is. So again, they've got they've got it on paper to to take care of this tide. I, I think if you just you just watched the game and got up. If you missed the goals, you would be like, "Oh no, Arsenal!" If you had had to leave the game at even the 60th minute, you'd be like, "Oh, Arsenal's gonna win this. It's not a problem." But that's just not what happened. So, um, yeah, and we've got to fight for our lives. You hope next week they show out like mentally, like this is all you guys are playing for. You're tenth in the in your league. You're not qualifying for anything um, without winning this tournament. So it. This is this is all you guys have to salvage or before the fire sale over the summer. Um, so that's yeah. that's pretty much it. That's that's a pretty fair assessment. And I'll say, you know, one of the things, one of the big talking points for me is uh, Obama Yang didn't start, and when when the first substitute came on, it was Martinelli for Willian and not Obama Yang on the left. And so that was indicative to me of, you know, a lack of faith still. Like, I think that's, that's, it's another time where Alba has, you know, the Acheta is throwing down the gauntlet to Alba to prove himself, to come back, you know, come back and do what you need to do as a captain and as our quote unquote best player. Um, so. Now, said about that, let's slide on uh, to, to Villarreal, Dinamo, Zagreb. Did any of you watch this? And um, if you did, you know, what did you take away from that? The resounding silence sounds like nobody watched Villarreal. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Unite, Unite Emery is the master of this competition. Um, Zagreb had some moments where they look good, but he, you know, Unai Emery gets his people in places. Like, that's all you can say. They, 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 they created enough to get a penalty off. And it was, it was actually kind of a harsh penalty, a handball. I don't know where the guy's hand could go. I mean, I I understand why you call it, but, um, that's what it was. I think, uh, it probably just have been maybe nil-nil if Zagreb's not going to score at any point. Um, but. Hey, that's you know Amory for you. That's what he's supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, my, my interest it, in this so. match is really uh, the their winger Samuel Chikweza plays for the Super Eagles. So, you know, I low key um, root for them to do well, and especially for him to do well. 
but that's enough said about that. Uh, Villarreal got the uh, 1-0 away win. Roma beats Ajax 2-1. Uh, let's see. Jonathan, did you have any opinions on that match? No, I didn't watch it. You know, Europa League is not in my bag. <laughs> wow, okay, okay, okay. All right. A couple of years, so... Uh... Just, just, just mute his mic. I don't want to hear anything else from this guy. You guys are talking nonsense. I'm going to discuss the second level. Second yeah, level. I mean, wow. Anyway, yeah. so, 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 if, so, I, so I watched... Uh, that match, okay. um, and I'm I, I am a casual observer of Ajax. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't necessarily cl- categorize myself as a fan or or a supporter. Um, I just really like their style of play and have for many a year. Um, and that match was, you know, it was a tit for tat kind of situation. I think we've. I think when we were talking about in our predictions, we said as much, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Roma got a, you know, got a late goal. Um, and that wasn't even the best Roma side. So I think in the, I think in the second leg, we're going to see a different Roma. And I think potentially we're going to see a different Ajax too. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to more, more so for the second leg of that because of this result more so than the result of this first leg. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, and I mean, well, it's two away goals, so that Ajax has to work it out to him. Uh, yeah, United, Granada, 2-0 win away to United. All in at the yeah. wheel. Yeah, once again, you know, you come right back to me. Uh, <laughs> and once again, United does what we always do. Uh, we show up when you least when when you least expect it. And Bruno Fernandez um, scores they, a penalty, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and as per usual, Bruno converts a penalty that actually almost uh, was saved. Um, it didn't look like it was going in at right. first, um, but then it but then it nestled past the keeper. Um, he also saw. He, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We also saw second half. Um, yes, yeah, we, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we, uh, saw Alex Tellez, um, but I, I think one of the big stories of this match isn't, isn't just the appearance of Alex Tellez, it's, it's the fact that Scott McTominay, um, Harry Maguire, and Luke Shaw will not be in the second, wow. because, because of the amount of the yellow cards, wow. um, and that's the reason Luke Shaw got sent off, because he, Kind of lost his head a little bit after his after his yellow card, um, and all I said, look, like we need to switch things up a little bit um, in the uh, after match presser. Presser, and he brought on Alex. Um, and we've said throughout this entire season that ever since Alex Tellez was signed by United in January, that um, he was going to be he was going to be the replacement to Luke Shaw. And then Luke Shaw started showing up in matches and doing and showing out. And now there's a battle for that position at left back. Um, and, you know, now Luke Shaw won't be in the second leg. So, <laughs> so it's going to be the Alex Teller show. Um, 
And, you know, I really like Alex Teller's style of play. Um, I think he's through and through a United supporter. I hope that um, some of our younger players are going to get a chance to uh, appear in the next match. Diallo uh, didn't, uh, wasn't on the sheet, uh, wasn't on the team sheet for this match, but he did travel with the team. So that was, that was a little odd. But I do think in the second leg, I do think he's going to make an appearance. Um, and yeah, I was happy with the result. Uh, we did what we needed to do, got the two away goals, and now we can <laughs> go to the OT and uh, go to the semifinals. While, while we are still in uh, second in the league, and we're going to be getting Champions League regardless. So how about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, that's, that's great. So that means you can afford to drop out. Um... I think that's more than enough from the European leagues. Let's go ahead and take a break, come back, and do a little check-in about some not-so-awesome uh, European soccer uh, events. We'll be right back. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www thegdsauce.com hashtag bows up alright thanks for sticking with us yeah we yeah this 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 segment we're gonna we're gonna deal with um event that occurred this this past week um in the La Liga in Spain uh Valencia played Cadiz and a center back for Valencia experienced something that we're used to hearing about. We've talked about it on this show time and again. Every time we have a guest, we talk about it. Like it comes up every time. There's racism, whether it's from the fan, from an official, from a player. Like football is rife with racism. People get mad, people get casual, and they just fling it like a oowop. And, and it's, uh, it's, we're getting really tired of talking about it. But in this instance, one of the things we ask for teams to do occurred. Um, Mukhtar Diakabi, who's a center back for Valencia, um, was called a racial epithet by a player on Cadiz, and he remonstrated to the ref and ultimately walked off the field with the support of his team. There was like a 20, 30 minute delay in the match as the team stayed in the locker room until they were prompted uh, to return because they would not only would they, if they did not, they would drop points for the match and perhaps take a multiple point penalty on top of that. And Diakabi apparently um, asked his teammates to go go back out, but he he decided not to return. And yeah, um, I that that's that's enough framing to get into it, fellas. How sick are we of so, this shit? So yes, I'm sick of it. Number one, number two. What I don't want to see is um, Spanish outlets going to white Latino people to write about things that happen to black players. That shit has got to fucking stop. We're tired of seeing that shit, Goal.com and other outlets. 
So these Spanish outlets, y'all got to stop doing that shit too. Um, don't even start. How about that? <laughs> First of all, let me just let me just get that out before we go any further. Um, as far as the situation is concerned, I mean, this is it seems to be it, it, it's not only a recurring topic that we tend to talk about and we tend to center, but it also it's an, an unfortunate situation because while it's great that that the entire Valencia side rallied behind Mukhtar and were you know just that's the part that I appreciated more than anything else. Um, I expect or expected La Liga to say, you know, to wash their hands of the situation. I expected them to lose the audio of what was said. Um, I expect that this investigation won't really go anywhere uh, because how many times have black people been racially abused, sometimes to the point of violence? And the authority figures, powers that be, do nothing. Or they are the perpetrators. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think the most uh, reassuring thing for me was the fact that he had the support of his teammates. Because he didn't have to, you know, walk back out there. I'm glad he didn't. Um, I was very pleased, and we showed our support for him um, after his statement was made because I believe the player at fault still hasn't been identified, if I'm not mistaken, as of this recording. And in addition to that, the individuals or individual who said that Valencia would drop points and be docked additional points if they didn't come back, back out on the pitch and finish the match also, for some reason... Hasn't been identified either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so Cadiz. So the the player that was uh, that was accused was Juan Cala, but the Spanish, you know, football authorities are saying, no, 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 it wasn't him because you know we listened to the tape, we did lip reading, and there was a South American accent on the the slur, so it couldn't possibly have been Juan Cala. Uh, and Kala himself has been like, yo, I don't, you know, it's not me. Stop, stop make, dragging my name in the mud, blah, blah, blah. And like here, I, I, I honestly, I don't care. This man was rich. Yeah, gaslighting bullshit is that? <laughs> I, yeah, by the authorities, by the system, right? Like this is like, what? I, I'm so disgusted by, by the whole thing. Uh, come, come, somebody, please come in and be more rational than I am right now. Well, listen, no, no, I'm a, you, listen, none of us are going to be rational about this shit because there's nothing to be rational about. This shit is fucking uncalled for, period, point blank. Um, there, is, there is no reason for the player that was accused to use, or I'm sorry, the, the, the authority, the, the, the uh, Spanish footballing authority to say, well, we didn't hear, or it was a South American accent. So because it was a South, South American ac accent, that makes it okay? I, I mean... What does that even mean? So like, I'm I'm sorry, but that what does that even mean on the football pitch? Like, yo, I ha I have a Jamaican accent. Somebody said right? it. Like, Who's the like, person who that said doesn't it? mean I'm from Jamaica, right? Like, I I, I just it just is a weird, it's a very weird cop out, and a um a re, it's a weird reason to cover for somebody. It's, it just makes it makes me so mad that this is. Like the the narrative that's being being displayed, but 
what 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 I think um we can at least hope for is that somebody I guess uh somebody on audio is heard ma- using a, a racial epithet calling someone a black shit and um and somebody should be held accountable but I doubt I think the way this is going to play out is that they're going to be like yeah we cannot it was said we don't know who said it we don't know if it was a Valencia player or or a Cadiz player and so therefore because we read lips on Juan Cala and it's not him it's go- you know we're going to say that we can't meet out any punishment especially not to uh Cadiz who walked away with the result in that match that's the the you know uh, any reasonable re- any reasonable club would cede those points on the strength of that incident and not only that ama but like the fact that again i go to kind of emphasize to, to kind of emphasize the points you've already made it's really something um shitty to be honest with you that the spanish fa is saying that we don't know who said it. It could be a Cadiz player. It could be a Valencia player. As if, as if a Valencia teammate who walked off the pitch with their fellow player would have called him a black shit. Why would they? Why would it be a Valencia player? And yes, I'm raising my fucking voice because yes, I need the Spanish FA to fucking hear me because this is bullshit. It was a Cadiz player who said it. And, it, and probably, probably it wasn't just one of them who said it, more than likely, because we know that Negrito is a small part of the words that are used when it comes to words of endearment by white Latinos. So if, if Negrito is small potatoes and, and black shit is one of the extremes, then just how fucking deep does this shit go? Yo, anti-blackness is worldwide. Don't don't let anyone fool you. Um, it's been that way, and um, until things change, it will continue to be that way. I I I'm still in, I'm still incensed about the situation. Go ahead, go ahead, uh, Jonathan. Well, I mean, I think y'all already know what I'm going to say. Like, as a solution, like black players in Spain need to figure out. How to communicate with each other? It could be Instagram, it could be Facebook, it could be email, whatever they need to do to just align. Because these are individual, the FA, Spanish FA, the clubs, they are treating it as individual cases, and not you know. And I, I, we know this. It's, it's not. It's not individual cases. This is like a global thing, like you just said. So they need to figure out a way to come together, create this. Maybe not a union, an association for black players in Spain. Collective. So they can address Collective, yes, yes, perfect, perfect wording. Um, because, yeah, the only way, the withholding of your labor in that, in that sense is good. But it, it just can't be, okay, one player does it here. Okay, two weeks later, another person does it. Like, it has to be a collective thing um, in order for that to actually move, actually get the FA to the table, actually figure out a better solution than this, because we know where it's going to go. It's going to go nowhere. And 
it's just it's gonna be a mess again. So this is what needs to happen, essentially. I don't know who can convene it. Maybe the belly can convene it. Uh, somebody, somebody needs to convene this this group, like this group of players, because there's no way it's not gonna be solved um, without that, without that alliance, that that collective. Yeah, I think it should be Dembele and uh, and Naki Williams. Honestly, um, they are two of the most prominent black faces when it comes to uh, La Liga. Uh, Adam, I don't know, I don't know what other prominent names you could probably think. Like, there are probably so- several legends that should certainly be at that table that are retired players that you know that should come back and maybe. their voices all, all the way going back and they just didn't have the i think that's that's a brilliant idea to to bring in folks with those same lived experiences to show that this is a continuum not uh, an aberration not a moment in time not not a a, a few bad apples so to speak and, yeah, you think for are you are you everything about and i mean there's but right, you're not seeing the same response from the Spanish clubs. Like the Spanish clubs monitoring their social media. Are they like? Are you backing up your player? You know when these incidents happen. So I feel like it's just like you said, Jonathan. It's just like you said. It's, it's they're looking at it individual. Uh, and we know you um, in terms of um, uh, racism to the sport. Um, so, so it's just one of those things. Like. It, it would be interesting to see um, if the black players can. It's about you have allies like those Valencia teammates who walked off with that you can convince, like that you get a collective for yourselves, but that you can convince. Um, also, take, take those actions with you, withhold labor um, to it. Um, but right, it's just a matter of um, just getting everybody on the same page. Is really getting more of that team support. I feel just the fans of news overnight. But something like, well, oh my God, the team supporting it. My goodness, I guess. Um, and those who are just going to keep their um, ignorant ways of thinking, not just the players on the pitch. Because, I mean, if they're directed white or black, they're just hierarchy that administration comes and supports. All right. With their players. Let's let's support when Real Paulista supported Mukhtar Diakabi and slide into the break up you up the goddamn sauce nine different flavors same goddamn feeling share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com use discount code the banter pub fc to save 50 percent when you cop the sauce hashtag boss up all right, welcome back to the Banter Pub FC. We're gonna hit you with uh, uh, our that is about to start this week, and we want to know what your predictions are as a team. If you can squeeze your prediction in, and um, what I've been starting my clock and, and go, I think we'll win the challenge cup. Ah, uh, so. I, I got to go with my girls, the Spirit, and uh, run away one of the better teams in the NWSL. Um, and yeah, um, 
Ebony and I, um, who's a friend of the podcast and in our and a part of our community, um, is going. We we are definitely going to be sending texts back and forth during that uh, to open to open the Challenge Cup. Um, but I'm pulling for the Washington Spirit. All right, excellent. Uh, Adam, who do you have winning the Challenge Cup? I am going to officially, you know, embrace my Floridian residence and go with the Orlando Pride, um, who also came out with, like, the dopest kits in all of NWSL with the new moon kits. So um, I think they're going to take it. I actually go into the match next week um, against Sky Blue. Got uh, my socially distanced seats. So... Tried to get the wife to go, but she has an appointment that day, so I'll just be having two seats to myself. Thanks, great. Uh, fully waxed up, but looking forward to supporting in person. Um, so hopefully you catch me in all purple on um, the CBS Sports Network. Right. So there you go. All right, uh, Jonathan, who do you got? I'm rather pride for all of this. Adam just said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for my my galactic jersey to come in because. Boy, I won't be, I won't be starting hard with that jersey uh, for for years to come. That <laughs> mug is fresh, drip. fresh as hell. Um, yeah, so I'm riding with pride, and I, I would, I would ride with um, Gotham FC, which great name, personally, Gotham FC. Um, but you know, the pride are in the, in the group, the same group, so I gotta roll with them. All right, and um, for my part. I'm, I, I announced on the show that I, I now support the Chicago Red Stars in spite of the fact that they employ Julie Ertz. Um, and I'm still going to pick them uh, for to win this. They, they, they actually start off playing Houston, who is the, the previous winner of the Challenge Cup. And um, I'll say, you know, good luck to the Red Stars. I'm rooting for you. My shirt's in the mail. Um, I did buy an Orlando Pride shirt too. That is just too drippy to to avoid. Um, and that's all we hey. <laughs> that's all we have uh, for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been um, a fun ride. We know that the uh, United States leagues are kicking off. We saw wonderful a few preseason matches and results um, coming in. Uh, Tormenta beating a, a, an MLS side and um, Chicago Fire not looking super solid against <laughs> against Ford Madison and you know I, I'm excited as, as I'm excited for the leagues to start so let's go ahead and because it's the opportunity for us to actually go to matches um, uh, socially distanced and vaxxed up um, and so I'll let long may that continue for the squad for Neil for Adam for Jonathan for Rossler in the background with the gifts I'm Ama this has been uh, another wonderful episode of the Banter Pub FC follow us on social media give us a like give us a review tell your friends um, we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram. We're on your favorite podcasting networks um, and all your devices. You have no excuse. 
Uh, big up to a man like Joseph. We'll catch you all on the flip side.